Welcome to the U.S. Soccer Rundown. It is Sunday, August 13th, 2017, and I am your host, Blake Shelton. Um, It's been a weekend filled with Premier League, but I still wanted to to round out the weekend by touching on all the rumors and all the important notes and news from uh, the U.S. soccer team over the past week, just so we're staying up to date as we're heading into these World Cup qualifiers in a couple weeks. There's a couple actual transfers and transfer rumors that are going to have an impact on the players in the player pool, as well as uh, a couple updates on form about players that are going to be vying for a spot that I wanted to discuss, as well as uh, our first ever guest is going to be joining us, actually. A friend of mine, Michael Demansky, is coming on to talk 2026 World Cup hosting rights and our bid there uh, and everything you need to know about about what what's going to happen moving forward with that USA combined bid for 2026 World Cup. So there's a handful of things we're definitely going to want to discuss and with that being said might as well just go ahead and jump on in. So the first talking point for me today is actually the transfer of Paul Areola from Tijuana and Liga MX, Mexican League, to DC United of the MLS. So Paul Areola is a 22-year-old winger who really uh, had his coming out party for the U.S. team uh, this summer at the Gold Cup. He played almost every game uh, for Bruce Arena along on the right mid. Uh, right wing over there so he he really made his name no to usa fans this summer prior to the gold cup he had four or five caps and only one or i think only one of them was actually in a competitive match he played in a world cup qualifier as a substitute appearance in 2016 um, so he, he really made his name known by having a good tournament this summer. And for it, um, DC United felt like it was a good opportunity to bring him over. They're having a horrendous season. Uh, so they plopped down $3 million, which is the club record fee, to bring him over from Mexico. Um, the transfer is interesting on the U.S. national team front uh, for a couple reasons. Um, the only example ever of a, a U.S. national team regular uh, who's young, so only 22, playing in a league that's better than the MLS, which the Mexican League is, coming back to MLS is Landon Donovan when he came back to the MLS from Germany maybe 10 or 12 years ago. So um, Paul Ariola definitely taking a path that's not as common uh, for U.S. national team players by coming back to MLS before he's either old um, and especially coming from a league that's better. So uh, curious as to the result that that's going to have on his on his national team chances heading on to a World Cup year. So uh, he was getting regular game time in Mexico. It's not like he's coming to the U.S. just to try and get more minutes. Um, so it's really it's really a curious move to to come to a lower league uh, play. I imagine he'll play definitely a little bit more and also make a lot more money, but. Um, He's on the fringe of that World Cup roster, so I have to think that um, by coming over and making this move, he's not exactly helping his chances. He was again, he wasn't fighting for minutes and and struggling to see the field in Mexico. So playing with some regularity in a better league, I have to think is the is the better option for him. But 
Um, hopefully this move works out. Hopefully he gets uh, DC United playing a little better and, and can be a spark there because he's one of the only true wingers that is being considered uh, for 2018 World Cup roster. And, and it'd be nice to have somebody who's got a little bit of pace and who's who's not a converted winger or a striker playing on the wing uh, coming with us to Russia 2018. So uh, Paul Ariola moves from Tijuana in Mexico to DC United for $3 million. Uh, let's see how that works out for him um, heading into to the World Cup year. The Iceman Goeth. Last episode, we talked about 26-year-old Icelandic-American striker Aaron Johansson playing for Werder Bremen uh, in the German League. And since that episode, uh, reports have come out that Aaron Johansson is looking to leave the club. I can't blame him. Since he joined in the summer of 2015, he's actually only made 15 appearances for the club. Uh, and playing time has definitely been hard to come by for him. Because he was uh, on the roster in 2014 for the World Cup, you have to think that he's he's vying for a move to where he can replicate that uh, selection. Currently, best case scenario for him is to try and catch on as that fourth striker behind uh, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altidore, and Bobby Wood. Um, but if he's not playing, he's going to have a really hard time jumping Dom Dwyer and Jordan Morris, who uh, he's really competing with for that spot. Um, when the reports came out earlier in the week, a lot of folks thought he might try and make a move to MLS. He's been linked there heavily in the past, um, but MLS's transfer window ended on Wednesday and no move was officially made. So we're about two weeks out, maybe two and a half weeks out from the transfer list officially or the transfer window officially ending. And Aaron Johansson really doesn't have a ton of options. Uh, from what I've seen, he does want to try and stay in Germany, but I just don't know of any club that has interest in him uh, that he's going to be able to, to join two weeks uh, or a week into the season and then also win game time to make a case for himself to be included on the 23-man roster this upcoming summer. So Aaron Johansson definitely in a bit of fluctuation with his career right now, hoping he gets a move sorted out so he can compete for that fourth striker spot. Um, but otherwise right now, he, he's really probably looking at being a one World Cup guy, whereas if he gets some playing time, plays well, he's absolutely able to jump in and be that fourth guy coming to Russia. All right, so I want to stay over in Germany for this one. Um, not entirely U.S. soccer related, but um, I thought it was a talking point at least. So Neymar, you guys know that Neymar moved from Barcelona to PSG um, for 220 million euro. And uh, that means that Barcelona now has 220 million euro and a hole at left wing. So uh, rumors have had them trying to fill that spot with Felipe Coutinho from Liverpool, but more importantly for this podcast at least, uh, Usman Dembele, a French uh, 20-year-old winger playing for Borussia Dortmund. Dembele is essentially one of the guys that Christian Pulisic competes for, uh, for a spot with every week. The idea of him potentially being linked to Barcelona and then Dembele has gone as far as uh, not showing up to training, not responding to text messages, not responding to phone calls, and actually unfollowing Dortmund on Twitter. A lot of folks think that he's trying to force a move to Barcelona. So if Dembele does move over to Barcelona, then that's going to make one, um, one less person that Christian Pulisic is competing with week in and week out to get on the field. So um, if, if Barcelona is able to get Dembele and he leaves, 
I have to think that Christian Pulisic is going to benefit with more game time. On the other end, if Dembele doesn't leave and Dortmund don't sell, then that means that he's just thrown this huge huge temper tantrum essentially and uh, really put himself in a, in a negative light for the fans and also the manager. So I have to think that uh, Dembele's uh, reactions to these rumors um, have have helped Pulisic look like the, the golden child who doesn't complain and just shows up and, and plays week in and week out. So Pulisic benefit, benefiting from uh, Barcelona coming after Dembele and Dembele throwing a stink uh, to Dortmund trying to force a move. So um, hopefully he continues to play as much as possible throughout the season, whether or whether or not Dembele is going to be on the field alongside with him. Christian Pulisic benefiting from a, a major move uh, from Neymar. One more story out of Germany for us, and, and you can see that, that Jurgen Klinsmann German connection still staying strong. Um, this is actually somebody I missed last week in our Europe, Yanks Abroad in Europe episode, and I wanted to make sure we discussed him. So one guy I didn't mention last week is, is Weston McKinney. He's an 18-year-old uh, center midfielder for Schalke in the Bundesliga. He's more of a defensive midfielder, maybe an eight, um, so more maybe box-to-box, -box, but uh, probably best known as a, a defensive midfielder for Schalke. He joined their program about a year ago, and then with less than a year in their academy, they actually promoted him to a permanent member of their first-team squad uh, right at the end of the season. So uh, Weston McKinney, 18-year-old prospect from Schalke, spent the entire preseason playing with the first team, uh, played, a, played a lot of preseason games, and actually made his competitive debut uh, a few few weeks ago, and so he's got his first senior cap for Schalke, looking looking to continue to to grow there. Weston McKinney is actually considered to be the best American prospect right now. So Christian Pulisic no longer a prospect, just simply a, a proven commodity at this point. Um, and and American soccer fans think that Weston McKinney is is likely to be the guy that that makes that huge leap next. So. Um, a lot of people actually think he might be on that World Cup roster if, if he's able to um, play enough this season. Uh, still probably a long shot at this point. He would be looking to be that, that backup to Michael Bradley. So he's competing with guys like Danny Williams and uh, maybe Dax McCarty and, and Kellen Acosta. So um, he's, he's potentially going to be on one of those um, that World Cup roster and probably going to at least get a few looks at some of the World Cup qualifiers coming up. But Weston McKinney, uh, best American prospect right now, expecting big things from him as a central uh, midfielder over there in the Bundesliga and, and expecting uh, him to, to really show up for the Yanks in the next couple years. So Weston McKinney was one that I forgot to talk about last week. Uh, but the next story that I wanted to address uh, is a guy we discussed last week. So uh, Kenny Saif, an Israeli-American winger playing um, in the Belgian League. Um, last week we talked about him getting called up to the Gold Cup roster but having to go home early uh, as he ended up getting a sports hernia. So the update there is you know, he got his surgery on the sports hernia and was expected to miss uh, at least three or four months. Update on that 
is his surgery actually developed into an infection. So they're anticipating another three months of him being sidelined before he's able to play soccer again. So a huge stretch of bad luck for Kenny Saif, unfortunately. As soon as he files for his one-time switch to become American, goes home early from the Gold Cup with an injury, and then that injury uh, that requires surgery ends up getting infected. So we talked about him being a long shot for the World Cup roster, knowing that he had a long recovery ahead of him, and that was before where the infection news broke. So at this point, unfortunately for Kenny Saif, he's he's probably probably going to have to try and catch on to that next cycle after the 2018 World Cup uh, and try and, and try and be the guy who can you know make his first World Cup appearance around age 30 in 2022. So bad luck for him, but um, hope you get better soon. And, and looking forward to getting more more experience and seeing what you can bring to the table when your next call up happens. In another throwback to last week's episode, you'll remember that I was desperately looking for any reason to have a discussion about mixed discarude. And as if Stars and Stripes FC was reading my dreams, they actually released an article about him a couple days ago playing well for his club in Sweden. So mixed discarude, he's a 26-year-old Norwegian-American. He's a central midfielder historically for, for the U.S. team. Um, it's actually been coming up on two years since we last saw him capped for the U.S. team. Uh, in October 2015 was the last time Mix was involved. Um, he was a member of the 2014 World Cup team, so he went to Brazil with the guys. Didn't actually make an appearance, but a lot of folks thought that he was going to be the the future creative midfielder for the U.S. men's national team. Ended up getting a move to New York City FC. Uh, the following that World Cup summer and never managed to really catch on with them. He was making a pile of money, so NYCFC actually bought him out of his contract and made him a free agent uh, earlier this year, and he he went on loan um, because he's still owned by MLS. He's just not owned by NYCFC anymore, so he's on a loan deal in Sweden right now. And the update out of Sweden is that he's actually been playing really well. They've, They've been putting him at right mid now where, like I said, he was best known as a central player the U.S. pool, uh, but they've been playing him at right mid, and he's actually had some really good performances in the last couple of weeks, which is awesome to hear. I'm an absolute sucker for mixed discarude. I've got my mixed lid and, and just a huge fanboy man crush. Um, one one B to Jeff Cameron on mixed discarude. So it's exciting to hear that he's playing well again. And he he's probably out of the picture for the World Cup at this point, but hopefully he can play well enough. And Bruce Arena acknowledges that. Uh, he can get back into the team for for another appearance or two, uh, minimally. So so the U.S. men's national team has some better hats whenever they're on the bus because uh, he he always brings a little bit of style with him. So mixed discrued playing well in Sweden, hoping to extend his loan there, uh, as he seems to have found some consistency and some form. So hopefully we'll see him back with the red, white, and blue uh, in the next couple of months at one of these one of these next international breaks. And the last bit of news before we head over to our interview with Michael is that uh, the deuce is loose. So Clint Dempsey, nicknamed Deuce, uh, was in fine form last weekend. He had two goals and assist in his MLS, his first MLS appearance since the Gold Cup, and um, it's it's awesome to see him in fantastic form. He was rewarded with a FIFA Ultimate Team Team of the Week card for his efforts, uh, 87 Cam card. Uh, that I blew all my budget on. Um, so 
made, made sure I got that in the club so I can use use that and see how he's doing. Um, but other other than that, I just wanted to make sure that I got a a chance to say the deuce is loose and um, let everybody know that Clint Dempsey is still in fine form and, and looking sharp to be our, our super sub for 2018. So now that you're all learned up on the U.S. men's national team over the past week, I wanted to welcome our first ever interview guest on the podcast and turn over to uh, Michael Demansky to where we can talk about the World Cup bid for 2026. That's a combination bid with the U.S., uh, Canada, and Mexico. So uh, we'll, we'll jump over to that interview here now. Joined with me now is Michael Demansky and uh, Michael do you want to just go ahead and pay me my $30? <laughs> no, not yet, man. Well, maybe after today, but I think we're missing a few key players, so I'm going to hold out hope for now. So Michael and I make a yearly bet, 30 bucks, whoever finishes higher in the Premier League table, Everton or West Ham. Uh, I won last year, and uh, after Everton's thrilling 1-0 win yesterday and West Ham getting stomped, I feel like maybe you should just go ahead and pay up, but we'll see. <laughs> all right i'm gonna wait it out cool. well the reason we had you on was to discuss the world cup 2026 bid that is going on with uh the usa mexico and canada uh, you're kind of my go-to guy for all things uh world cup bids and wanted to get you on to kind of break it down in layman's terms everything that's going on there yeah so um i'll rewind to may when at that time it looked like the U.S., Mexico, and Canada were going to be the only people submitting a bid for a joint North American bid. And in May, FIFA voted to fast-track the bid process. Now, I'm not sure when it was going to be due originally, but it looked like we were the only possible hosts. So they fast-tracked the bid process, and anyone interested had to submit a letter of intent by August 11th, which was this past Friday. Okay. And... Up until about a couple of weeks ago, it didn't really look like anything was going to happen. It looked like the U.S. was just going to walk in and get this easy. And then we started hearing things about Morocco, and they've submitted five bids in the past. I just looked that up today. Um, so they really want this World Cup. And they did. They submitted a letter of interest by last Friday. So now both countries or both host sites have until mid-March to submit a complete bid that shows whether or not they can meet FIFA's technical specifications. Okay, cool. So just to recap there, so um, USA is putting in a bid uh, in combination with Canada and Mexico. And um, what is it? Canada and Mexico get like 10 games each in, yeah. in the setup that we've done? Yes, I think so. And then the U.S. gets 60, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and none of the Canadian or Mexican games will be like after the quarterfinals or something like that. So they'll be all in the early stages in the U.S. will get all the big knockout rounds. So um, we established that bid a couple months back, and then Morocco joined in officially by that August 11th date. So um, is that is that March deadline really the next um, date that we need to be on the lookout for, or is there anything before then? I don't really think there's anything before then unless Morocco decides to – cancel their bid early. Um, but that March deadline is when they have to submit this bid by that shows that, you know, they have the amount of stadiums, transportation, hotels, you know, just basic infrastructure to support a tournament of this size. Because, I mean, as we know, this is going to be the first tournament with the expanded field. So that's a lot 
a lot to accommodate. Um, gotcha. So when they submit that in March, that gives FIFA about two months to review the bid. And then the winner will be announced June 13th when FIFA meets in Moscow where for the World Cup. Okay, so June 13th, 2018, we'll officially know yes. after five or, or a handful of months of them deliberating who's the better um, better yep. option between us and then Morocco. Yes, or if Morocco fails to meet that mid-March deadline, but this will be their, I think their sixth bid they've submitted, so... They're, they seem to be familiar with the process. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, you have to imagine if they're going to take all the time to, to get in um, before that August 11th date, then they'll probably at least put together a completed proposal for FIFA to consider. Yeah. So, Michael, what what is it again that, you know, I always come to you for, for updates on this, and I know your company does some work with, with, with the bid, and what, what's your expertise in, in this area? So I got really lucky to get a sports and event designer position in the past couple of months, and we've been working with the PGA on championships, their championship events, and we recently hired someone who's involved in the U.S. soccer bid. Um, so we still don't know what that work is going to look like with the tournament being nine years away, but that will start to take shape over these next couple of months with this. Now there's a competitive bid, so we're, we're not really sure right now about how to work is going to shape up, but we will definitely be involved in some way. And the amount will depend on whether the U.S. gets the, the World Cup or not, obviously. So I definitely have a personal interest in this. So if you if we do win it, would you guys be working on stadium plans or just like everything logistical, operational, or would it be a couple of stadiums that you're working on? Or, or? Um, I mean, with this the size of this event, you know, it's definitely going to be a team effort between lots of different firms. So I'm not exactly sure. Again, this has all just come to the forefront in the past few months, and it's still not a clear process. Awesome. All right. So what we need to know ultimately then, uh, key talking points are uh, we will be we will not be running unopposed. Morocco inserted um, a bid last week, and now the two dates we're on the lookout for are. Or March, whenever um, you know those those completed proposals needs to be into FIFA, and then uh, June the announcement will, will officially be made, and then we'll have eight years. Uh, either us or Morocco will have eight years to to get the stadiums and the plans officially ready. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Well, Michael, I appreciate you you taking the time to join us. Um, that's a definitely big news in the U.S. soccer landscape right now. So I'm I'm, I'm absolutely hoping we win it. Um, I don't I don't foresee myself attending either Russia or Qatar World Cup. So this might be one of my one of my few chances in in my younger years. Yeah, man, I'm hoping so. This could be huge for soccer in the U.S. Perfect. All right, Michael. Thanks again, uh, Michael Demansky, uh, local um, World Cup big expert. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right, then. There you have it. USA trying to be the host for the 2026 World Cup. And Michael Demansky is the man leading that charge for us. Anyways. Thanks again for listening. Um, I, I appreciate the support. Again, if you have any questions, ussoccerrundown at gmail.com or ussoccerrundown on Twitter. And then again, still not famous yet, so you probably have my phone number if you want to reach out to me that way. Uh, all the best, and God bless Christian Pulisic. Pulisic.